I gave you guys a worksheet that looks like this. So if you have it, you can pull it out. Um, I taught for 37 years, so I couldn't help but give you something to do. Uh, since, yeah, and if you don't have one, you can just put up your hand and we'll make sure you get one, okay? Guys, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Um, this section of scripture makes me a little bit nervous. When Rob asked me if I would um, do the message about three weeks ago, I prayed about it and, and I was saying, Lord, what would, you like, uh, what would you like me to share? What do you want us to look at as a church? And I was praying and I was out in the forest in Flagstaff walking around and the Lord just spoke to me, uh, the Beatitudes. And I just kind of, oh, wow. Um, the reason why the Beatitudes, it would be hard to share on is that it's his heart. It's the very heart of Christ. When you look at where it comes from, it came from, if you look in uh, Luke chapter 6, you'll see that he had just called all of his disciples. In Matthew chapter 4, you see that actually he had called um, Peter and Andrew and James and John. But as you look in Luke chapter 6, it talks and it says that he called all of the disciples. So he's just called all of the disciples. And so after you assemble your group of guys, what do you think you want to do with them? What is the one thing you want to share with them? You want to share with them your heart, right? And you want to say to them the things that are at the very core of what you believe. And so people call this section all kinds of things. They call it the Magna Carta of the Bible. Um, they call it the King's Manifest. They call it lots of different things. Uh, Chuck Swindoll says it is, he called it, and I got this idea of this worksheet from him. Um, it's called the B Attitudes. Be attitudes because there's eight attitudes in there that you can change and that we can be. And if we change our attitudes, how many of you guys have ever found when you're, yesterday we were driving around through town and as we were coming home by our house, there's a parking lot for Snow Summit. And for the first time, we drove down this street, and I mean, there was a line of cars forever before you could even get to our street to turn on it. So how many of you guys have found when you're driving around town, you need an attitude adjustment, <laughs> right? And, and so that's what Christ is interested in doing. He's interested in changing our attitudes. And when we read the... Beatitudes, you know, it's part of obviously the larger teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is kind of, uh, in Matthew, it's all collected in chapters 5, 6, and 7. But in Luke, it's it, about 27 of the verses are all together, and the rest of them are spread throughout Luke. So a lot of guys who are Bible commentators will say this, that actually the whole Sermon on the Mount was Matthew 
group them all together, that it probably wasn't done all at once. It was probably done over a long period of time, because I don't know if you guys have done this, but when I was younger, I memorized chapters 5, 6, and 7. And when you memorize those, you go, wow, that's a lot. I mean, when you, when you take all that in, you're going, wow, he taught that all at one time? Did he really? And because it's an incredible amount of stuff as Christians that we're supposed to take in, absorb, and let the Holy Spirit work and change us. So this sheet is not for you to look at somebody else and go, oh, they need an attitude adjustment. <laughs> it's not for that. This is for you to look at this sheet for just yourself and go, do I need an attitude adjustment? And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through all these um, eight or nine Beatitudes. The last two are kind of pushed together by most people, the one on persecution. Um, but we're going to go through, and then you notice this is what I wrote at the top. Uh, I sorry, I wrote it pretty small. For you guys who are old like me, you might need me to read that. It says, I really need to work on this one. So you could just put a check in that one if you go, oh, yeah, I really need to work on that one. Oh, and then the next column is, yeah, I'm starting to get this one. Or the next one, this week I did good on this one. Or this month the Lord blessed this one. Or the last one, praise Jesus, this, this one I have by, and it's probably cut off, this one I have by the Holy Spirit. This one, the Holy Spirit has worked in my life, and I've got this one. And so we're going to go through and we're going to take a look at these um, different Beatitudes. So when I first started looking at these, I think I was 24. And I read in the Amp Amplified Bible, it says this. You notice every one of these, starting with verse 3, says, Blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. All right? So everyone has the word blessed. So I, I thought, you know, you really need to know what the word blessed means to really understand these. And in my Amplified Bible, it says blessed, and then it put in parentheses, happy to be envied. And really, when you start studying this in the Hebrew, that's not a very good translation, actually. Because happy is a circumstance. It's just... Your circumstances, don't they control your happiness? I mean, they shouldn't, but they control a lot of my happiness, you know. If, if things are good, if you're full and you've had a good meal and you're nice and warm, isn't it easier to be happy? Yesterday, Susan and I went for a hike and we were hiking out um, up on Snow Forest and the wind is howling and it's pretty cold and we're walking in snow up at the top of snow forces about knee deep. And we're trudging through the snow. And we're going up there. And Suze, my wife says to me, the only thing I can think about is a cup of hot chocolate. <laughs> so <laughs> our circumstances change, don't they? I mean, they change all the time. They change hour by hour. Like what Julie was talking about is sometimes in your life, things are really solid and they're good. And other times in our life, 
they're falling apart. And we can see things coming at us that are not going to be good. And so if, if your circumstance controls your happy level, that's not really what that word blessed means. Blessed means like this, that you have a joy in you that's so deep that nothing can change it. That's what blessed is. It's not a circumstance, and it's not you walking around with a smile on your face every moment of every day. That's not what it is. Blessed is when you know him, and you know Jesus, and you know that he has your life in his hand, and that no matter what comes, it's going to be okay. Now, that's blessed. And so when he uses the word blessed in here, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about our circumstance, okay? So let's, take, let's start at the very beginning. It says, and when he saw the multitudes, he opened, when he saw the multitudes, he went and sat down and his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and began teaching them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, you guys know um, we're lucky. We have people in our church who actually have a background in what the Jewish world was like. Me, I grew up in Culver City, and in Culver City, we had a huge Jewish population. So um, some of the friends that I had, they were, they were Jewish, and they went to temple. And so I knew just a little bit about the Jewish faith, just a little bit. But Jesus was Jewish, right? And so he lived with that faith. He lived with that culture. And he needed to understand. He, he taught. When he taught, he taught things that were surface level. It was just what he said was right on the surface. But then it had a deeper meaning. And then it had a deeper meaning. And so the Jewish people, had, they have words for that. The very surface level meaning, the literal meaning, is called Peshat. But the really deep inner meaning is called the Sod. And so when we read these, I want you to keep in mind that there's a literal meaning, that he, and he really means a literal meaning, but then Jesus has a deeper meaning that he's teaching to us. And so... I'm going to ask you guys to do this. Have you done this in your, probably when you went to school, you had to do this. I'm going to ask you to take each one, and on the back of your sheet, there's a place for notes. Um, I would like you to try to rewrite each one of the Beatitudes in your language to where you own it. Do you guys know what I mean by that? In your language, and I'm going to demonstrate it for you, and we have some people in here who probably would be great at, at doing the wording for us. And so I think you would be great at the very first one, after we're done looking at it, that you put it in your words. Can you do that? <laughs> he, has a, he, has not, he has wisdom. And that's why I asked him if he would do it. Because then I'm going to pick other ones of you guys sitting here to reword the other ones. Does that put a little stress on you? Okay. In a classroom, you just need to add a little bit of stress, right? Um, so let's look at when he says this. 
And when he saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him. And opening his mouth, he began to teach them, saying, Now, first of all, when a guy who's a rabbi teaches, when he sits down to teach you, he's now saying, this is, that, this is really important. I need you to listen to this. Because think of Jesus. Do you think he always sat down and taught his disciples? They, they traveled by walking, right? And they would walk long distances. So don't you think he was probably teaching them as he walked? But here it says he sat down. And so when he sat down, that's like uh, the author saying, this is really important. This is at the core of what is, where his heart is at. And that's what makes me a little nervous to teach this. And that's why I'm going to pick you guys out to also have to teach it. Because you know what it says in James, right? Yeah, I know Julie's a teacher. I've got her lined up. Because it says this in the book of James. Not many of you should, should be teachers, my brethren, knowing as such you will incur stricter judgment. And I know what that says. I taught for 37 years, and I know the responsibility it brings. So, Julie, you're second up, okay? So let's look at the first one. The first uh, beatitude says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, you can look at that literally and say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We know what it says in the book of James uh, when it talks about the poor. It says that God gave the poor special faith and that he blessed them with that faith. So we know that uh, when this is talking about the poor, it could be talking about the poor financially. But do you think that that is the sod, the inner meaning of this? No, it's not. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We were in Flagstaff, and I knew I was going to be teaching on this, and whenever I'm going to teach on something, the Lord always gives me, I'm a visual learner, so he always gives me something visual to learn by. So we were, last Sunday, we were take, last week we were taking care of our grandchildren, and we went to church with them, and when we went into church, we went into a church called the Urban Church, and there was a man sitting, I saw this man who looked like he might be homeless, and when we walked into church, nobody was sitting near him, so I went in and sat right by him. And when I sat down and we started worshiping, I introduced myself to him, and he introduced himself this way. Hi, he grabbed my hand with both hands, Hi, I'm Kevin, and I'm homeless, and I'm desperate. That's what he said to me. Hi, I'm Kevin, I'm homeless, and I'm desperate. And then we started worshiping. As we started worshiping, Kevin started sobbing. He was literally sobbing, and I mean sobbing pretty loudly. You couldn't miss him. And he was in a church sobbing, and what do you think was happening in that church when he was sobbing? I hope other people around him were praying for him. That's what I hope was happening. But it looked like to me as I looked around, no one moved and no one responded. 
So as I was sitting there worshiping and I had my hands up worshiping the Lord and I was saying, Lord, what can I do for this man? And the Lord said, just lay your hand on him and pray for him. Just lay your hand. And I was like, Lord, what if he doesn't like my hand on him? <laughs> you know, he might not. Um, and the Lord was saying, just lay your hand on him and pray for him. He needs my comfort. So I did. So I put my hand on him and I was praying for him. And then after, afterwards, uh, they, had an altar, they had a call for people who need prayer. And Kevin was going to have to walk by about eight people to get by. And he didn't mind. He, he waited and he walked by all eight people to go get prayer. And then they... Um, the pastor started his message and partway into his message the pastor stopped and he said we need to pray again and Kevin got up and he went for prayer again and the Lord was saying to me this man is desperate for me are you you have needs you haven't got up to go for prayer why not are you desperate like this man and that's what this that's what this is about. This verse is saying this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit means nothing else will do for you. There's nothing that will do but Jesus. He's the only thing that will do. Having a better car, having a better house, more money, none of that will do. The only thing that will do is Jesus. And that's what this is saying. Are you poor in spirit? Are we poor in spirit? The Lord was saying to me like this, you need to be like Kevin. He knows he needs to come down for prayer. And you just stood there. Why did you just stand there? You needed prayer too. Haven't you ever done that? When they had an altar call and you knew you needed prayer, but you did not move. Then maybe we're not desperate for him. Why are we not desperate for him? I can answer that in my own life in this way. Too comfortable too comfortable and so when you look at this one and you mark yourself just know this this is not a sheet to go oh man I'm really doing bad that's not what this sheet is for this sheet is for you to look at and go ahead look at your sheet blessed are the poor in spirit and go ahead and check it off where does that fit in for you For me, I had, to, I had to check. I really need to work on this one. Because I need to become more desperate for him. Um, I want to be more like Kevin. I hope I don't have to be homeless to get that desperate for Christ. Um, so when you look at that one, try to rewrite that, that beatitude. Try to rewrite it. Just take a minute and try to rewrite it. Then I'll tell you how I, I tried to rewrite that one. So the way I, I tried to rewrite that one that just fit me, this doesn't mean this fits you. I just tried to rewrite this beatitude to make it my own so that I could work on it, so that I could let the Holy Spirit work on me. And so I wrote it like this. Oh, the joy of the man who has realized his own complete helplessness, who has put his whole trust in God, for by doing this, he can give to God that perfect obedience so that he can live now as if he was already in heaven.
I, I don't want to live like I'm going to heaven. I don't know about you, but this, that, that verse says to me this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It, it doesn't mean you're going to have it. It means you have it, right? So we're supposed to be living on this earth like we have heaven, right? So that means when that long line of cars to my house is there, I just go like this, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm supposed to be in my car praying for people and praying and in prayer and seeking you that I don't worry about the fact that I got to wait 20 minutes to drive one block to my house. Um, that I'm just fine with just sitting in my car and letting the Lord go. I'm going to use you right here where you're at. And welcome to heaven. This is part of it. Um, so let's take a look at verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, we have people all around us who mourn, don't we? How many people who mourn do you know that seem blessed? Do most of the people that you know, when they are, have things to mourn about, do they seem blessed? Well, we have one right here in our church that we could look at. And since he's not here, I feel comfortable using his name in a positive way. His name is Joe Stengel. Joe Stengel's are part of our church. Do you know in the last two years, Joe lost his wife, his son, his mom, and his dog in two years. And what has Joe done with that? Well, he's gotten involved with starting a grief group to encourage other people, to love other people. And Joe is someone that I look at and I go, Joe's got this one. He's got it. He gets it. Because blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. No one in this church probably has lost what Joe has lost in the last two years. I taught his son, Brandon. Brandon was in my class, and Joe watched Brandon go from being a fairly healthy young man to being in a wheelchair to not being able to breathe to dying. And then shortly after that, he watched his wife die very quickly. And then his mom died. And then Brandon's dog died. And so you think that kind of loss, what would that do to a lot of people? It would crush them. It would. But not Joe, because he knows who his God is. And he knows where his son is. He knows where his wife is. He knows. Joe knows. And so, um, as you look at that one, and you say, Blessed are those who mourn. Think about, like Julie was talking about, you might have something to mourn about in the future. Do you know that we're all going to have things that we mourn over? But blessed are those who mourn. Part of the deeper inner meaning of this one is this. Blessed are those who mourn. What do you think he's, 
thinking that we're mourning about. When Jesus walked into Jerusalem, when he went into Jerusalem, it said he wept over the city. What did he weep? Why was he weeping over that city? He knew this, Mike. He knew that they were not believing in him, that they weren't coming into faith with him. And uh, by AD 70, that city would be leveled and they would be scattered. And so he was mourning for them because of the sin in their lives. And I, when I look at this, I think the deeper meaning is this. Do we mourn over our own sin in our own lives? Does that really grieve us? Do we mourn over the sin in our own lives? Because what happens when you mourn over the sin in your own life? Do you know what happens when you mourn over the sin in your own life? I have mourned over some of the sin in my own life. And when you do that, do you know what happens when you mourn the sin in your own life? You end up asking forgiveness. God forgives you and he removes that sin from your life because that's what he does. But you first need to be willing to mourn the sin in your own life. So go ahead and rewrite that beatitude. How do you think that beatitude could be changed for you? So um, now I'm going to call on one of you guys to try to rewrite that verse for us. Maybe how you rewrote that verse for you. But I really don't want to force anybody to do that. Does anybody have something that they rewrote that in a way that works for them, that they would like to share with us? Now, why would I do this? This seems pretty weird, doesn't it? Well, this is what a teacher does, number one. But um, he calls on his class. But, but here's why I would do it. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't work through just the pastor or somebody up here teaching. The Holy Spirit works through all of us. And he wants to work through all of you right now. And some of you may have the sod, the inner meaning to this that you can share with us. And if you do, and you're sitting there, you know you do because your heart's starting to pick up. And it's starting to beat. And you're saying, I really should stand up and share this, but I really don't want to. And so this is wait time. Teacher wait time. I'll wait till somebody wants to share this with us. Steve, go, go ahead. The, this one. Mm, that's awesome, Steve. Yep. Yeah, if you have lost everything, if you have lost everything, and you're sitting there and you're just worshiping the Lord, you know you're getting there, right? We were sitting on Christmas Day out in front of our house watching it burn down on well, Christmas night. It was about 18 degrees. Uh, it was about three years ago. And we were watching it burn down, and I don't know what we had said, but we were laughing about something. And later, one of the guys who was a fireman who I was, I was coaching, he said to me, Coach, is something wrong with you? I saw you and your family over there laughing while your house was burning down. What's wrong with you? And I was saying to him, Steve, what you're saying doesn't matter. Everything I, I love is right here. My family's here. That house can burn to the ground. And so Satan has tested me on that. Our house is flooded twice and burned once. 
And someone might say, why haven't you moved out of it? <laughs> um, well, I built it, so uh, that's why. But you think about, can you have everything ripped away from you like Steve's talking about, and yet, and yet you're praising God? Do you guys know the Romans took a guy named Polycarp? They took him into the Colosseum. He was the bishop of Smyrna. He was 84 years old. And the Romans were going to make an example of him. They were going to burn him at the stake because he said, he, and he was teaching that Jesus had risen from the dead. And they said, you're going to deny Christ or we're going to burn you at the stake. And he said, I'll never deny my Lord who's been faithful to me all of these years. And they put him, you can read, go, you should go online and read his prayer. They put him, they put him, it's incredible. They put him, they put all this wood around him. They burned him at the stake. You know they couldn't kill him by burning him. He didn't die in the fire. They had to run a spear through him to kill him. And it so touched everyone in that Colosseum who watched it that the Romans said, we're not going to do that anymore. doesn't work to kill Christians this way. That's what they said. And they stopped because it affected people so much. And Steve, he had done what you're talking about. He had lost, they were going to take everything from him. And he said, I still love you, Lord, no matter what. That's good. That's really good. Any loss we have, he will make us whole. He will fill in the gap, right? Do we really live like that? Do we believe that? I hope, I hope we do. I think we do. Um, so the next one. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And in your Bible, it might say, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. It depends on what translation you have. So if you have blessed are the meek, when you think of meek, don't you think of this, someone who's kind of um, spineless, like um, not really, um, not willing to speak up for what they believe? Don't you believe that that's kind of what meek is? Well, it might be meek in our world, but that is not the definition for meek when in the Hebrew. The definition for, the, for meek in Hebrew is this, someone who is never angry when they shouldn't be angry and only angry when they should be angry and full of power but only uses the power under control. Okay? So it's not meek like we think of meek today. It's not the same. So when you're thinking of that, and you're thinking of yourself. Um, power under control. Power under control. Is that easy to have strength and power but to keep it under control? Do you think that's an easy thing? I don't think so. I, I think it's difficult. And I think it's only possible through the Holy Spirit working in us, taking control and having control of our lives. Now, now, so how do we allow, here's the application of that, how do you allow 
the Holy Spirit to take power, have the power and control in your own life. How do you do that? Well, here's part of, of the way that we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and take control. First of all, we invite him in. You know, we, did you ever go someplace and you think, I need to invite the Holy Spirit here? Have you ever done that? Where you're with people and you go, I need to invite the Holy Spirit here. I was with my um, grandchildren and my wife and we were sitting there, we were watching a movie together and I was starting to become very uncomfortable with the direction of this movie. And, and so I was sitting there and I'm the grandfather, not the dad, not the mom, not the one who's in control of this four adopted Ethiopian um, granddaughters. But we're watching this and I'm starting to get very uncomfortable because I have this picture. Jesus is sitting here with me and he's becoming uncomfortable. And I'm like, I need to turn this thing off. But I... I just made this weak comment. This is the dumbest movie I've ever seen. But I didn't turn it off because my granddaughter had picked it out and I didn't want to offend her. So we watched this whole movie and then afterwards I said to myself, that was not, that was spineless on my part. I'm the grandfather. I need to say, I don't care what they think about me. I'm going to get up and turn this TV off. They were laughing. They thought it was funny. And then afterwards, we had a conversation. I had this conversation with them. I should have turned that off. That wasn't good for you guys to be watching. And later, we're going to get to another one of these beatitudes where you'll see that what you look at is key. What we see with our eyes is key. And I was really concerned about my granddaughters and what they were seeing. Now, how about you? In our culture, are you comfortable with all those things that your kids and your grandkids look at and take in? And are you, do you have enough of this to be willing to say, not in my house? For as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, if that had been in my house, I would have got up and turned it off. But it wasn't my house. It was their house. She had picked it out. But still, I have to tell you this. Spiritually, I was responsible there. I, I was responsible for what my grandkids were seeing. And later, I told one of my granddaughters, I really apologize. I didn't get up and turn that off. You guys should not have been watching that. And she said, why? And I said, because... Jesus was sitting with me, and I know he was uncomfortable watching that. And so in the culture that we're in, uh, we are going to have to be willing to stand up and be full of power and be fully led by the Holy Spirit, but not be angry when we're saying, no, this is wrong, right? You know what I'm talking about? In our culture, the fact that a man got, lost his job because he was a football coach and he went and prayed with some kids after the game and then he loses his job. That's not okay. Not for us as believers. You guys know what I mean? And we need to be willing to stand up and say, no, that's not okay. Um, and because the world and us, 
we're going different directions all together. And so um, that one is uh, the fact that it says, blessed are the gentle for they shall inherit the earth. Gentle in the way that we even disagree with people. Loving in the way that we say, no, that's not okay, but I love you anyway. It means as Christians that we disagree with people, but we love them anyway. The fact that my wife's brother lives a sexual lifestyle that's different than mine doesn't mean that I stop loving him. It's okay for me to say, I don't agree with your lifestyle. And in my house, it's, it's not, it won't be okay. But I love you anyway. And you're always welcome at our house. So that's part of what this is talking to us about. Uh, the next one. So go ahead, go ahead, take a minute and check yours. Um, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Would someone like to rephrase that one? Julie, would you like to give that one a shot? Yeah, cool. We have a friend. She got early onset dementia, and she's lost a lot of her memory, and she can't remember even how to cook, and now she's having problems putting on her clothes. But the, you know the thing that she hasn't forgot? She always says this, I am a follower of Jesus. I am a Christ follower. Yeah, that's exactly what she says, Suze. She's forgotten tons, but she knows she's a Christ follower. Isn't that amazing? She has dementia. She's forgot most, a lot of things, but she knows she's a Christ follower. I go, I'll be, I'm going to be like her. If I forget everything, but I remember that, that'll be important. Mm, that's good. That's good. The next one. Um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For oh, yeah, I'm, I'm giving Julie time. Go ahead, Julie. Mm, that's good, Julie, because we know when the disciples were talking to Jesus and wanting to be great, says, you want to be great, you be the servant of everyone. Uh, the next one, I, I don't think we're going to make it through all this. Uh, number seven, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. When I was reading about this, did I miss one? Oh, I didn't do that one, did I? Oh, okay, yeah, I missed that one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. We just sang a song that says, He is our righteousness, right? Because we don't really have any righteousness of ourselves. But blessed are those, this is a great one. I love this. Uh, I'm glad, Susie, you brought it up that I skipped it. Uh, I love this one. You know I love this one? Look at what it says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It says you hunger and thirst for it. Does that mean you, you have it? No. It just means that you, that's what you want. And you know, David wanted to build the temple, right? 
And you know what God said to him? You're not going to build the temple, but I love it that it's in your heart to build it. That's what God said to him. I love it that it's in your heart to build it. So how does that relate to me and you? It's like this. I know you guys love me, and I know you're following me with your whole heart. And you could say to him, Lord, but I stumble and I fall. And he would say to you, I know, but I love it that it's in your heart. So you don't have to possess this one. You know, you don't have to possess it. He says that you hunger and thirst. Now, you guys probably don't remember this because I'm way older than you guys. But when I was a kid growing up playing high school football, they wouldn't let us drink water because they said it made you weak. And so we would go in the huddle in the middle of August during double sessions when we're sweating to death and we're dying of thirst and we're supposed to be having a play and our quarterback, Kenny Grundyke, would be saying, what would you guys give for an ice-cold 7-Up? And somebody else would say, 7-Up, I just want ice-cold water. You know what it's like when you are dying of thirst? Well, most of us don't know what that's like, right? We don't know what it's like to hunger and thirst. But in Jesus' day, the average man made six cents a day. Six cents a day. And so they were never far from being hungry. They were never far from starvation. That's not probably the world that we live in, is it? I don't know about you. I just go go to my tap and turn on the thing, and I get ice-cold filtered water. (laughs) I go to my refrigerator, and there's a whole bunch of food in there. So are we, do we really uh, identify with this? We don't really get what Jesus was teaching because hunger and thirst, what do we hunger and thirst for? I hope we're as as children of the king I hope we're hunger we're hungry and thirsty for his word that we're hungry and thirsty for fellowship that we're hungry and thirsty wasn't that worship amazing today that just fed me didn't that feed you guys that worship and I needed to be fed because I was pretty nervous about coming up here and teaching this today. So I needed to be fed. I needed the Spirit to feed me before I came up here today. And that's what worship did for me today. I was hungry for that because I knew I was going to have to come up here. And this, these, I know this is the heart of Christ And I'm thinking, I have to share the heart of Christ with these guys? How do I do that? So that was making me pretty nervous about doing it. Um, But we are fed by the Holy Spirit every day. And when the Holy Spirit feeds you, you come away feeling like what? When the Holy Spirit is feeding us, what what do we come away with? What do you come away with? when you're being fed by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You feel comfort, yeah. And do you guys know that um, 
you guys, when I was in Malawi and we were praying for this woman who was blind and she was older and she walked her grandchild to school every day, two miles to school, came uh, back and got her and walked her two miles home from school and she's blind. And I was praying for this lady and I was just praying, Lord, I'll give in, Lord, I would give anything to see this lady get her sight back. And I was just praying, Lord. And we prayed over this lady. This other guy came and we were praying and she was praying. And I couldn't tell if they were praying in tongues or not because we were in Malawi. And, you know, I didn't, un- I didn't speak their language. They were praying a language I didn't know. So we were praying for her and she didn't get healed. And I, I have to tell you, it really bummed me out. She didn't get healed. But later, when uh, I was leaving Malawi, I was telling one of the guys, don't stop praying for people. And he, he was the guy who was praying with me over this lady. And I was praying, Lord, I just, I just want this lady to be touched. And then uh, later, I saw him talking to her, and she was crying and weeping, and I didn't know what she was saying. And so later, I was telling him, you know, don't stop praying for people, because one of the things the Lord has showed me while I was here is that you pray over people for people to receive his comfort. And he said, do you know what that lady who we prayed over for so long told me? She said she had never felt so comforted by prayer when we were praying over her. And so, um, what, what God wants to do in our lives uh, is incredible. And... Um, I've got to end, and I'm not even close to the end. Huh? Yeah, sometime when Rob's gone, I'll do part two. Um, yeah. Um, but let's close in prayer, and let's pray about this, that all of us as followers of Christ will know his heart, that we'll know his heart. Lord, we thank you for your word that is precious to us. Lord, I pray for each one of us that as we live in this um, small little town, Lord, that you would have your way in our lives. Lord, that these be attitudes would become our attitudes through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that uh, we we would be directed by you. Lord, that we would um, love the people around us, that your attitudes would become our attitudes. Lord, we invite you to change our life, and we pray this week that you take one of these beatitudes and um, encourage us. Lord, show us that we are actually growing and that we're moving forward in, in these areas of becoming like you. And we just thank you so much, Lord, for your word. In your precious name we pray. Amen. God bless all of you guys this week.